Well, good morning everyone. We are continuing our series in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you've got a Bible, can you turn to Matthew chapter 13? We are going to read some verses from Matthew chapter 13. But before I actually do the reading, there's a couple of things that I would like to do. The first is question for the audience. So audience participation, just to see that you haven't dozed off to sleep for the message. What I would like you to do is look at this. What can you see on that sheet of paper? Any offers? What do you see? A dog? A man? Whereabout? Up at the top, there's a man's face. Interesting, some people see this. Everybody sees the sheet of paper, but not everybody sees the man's face. We'll come back to that later on. We are reading from Matthew chapter 13. This section that runs from verse 3 down to verse 52 contains what are known as the parables of the kingdom and the subject is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as Matthew often terms it kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are interchangeable terms when we study this chapter we need to remember that Jesus is addressing people who had some ideas about what the kingdom of God would involve and their understanding from the Old Testament was that there was a coming king who would bring a reign of righteousness and they believed that wrongs would be righted and everything would be put in place as God wanted it so they expected that to happen quite quickly immediately And in these parables, Jesus is explaining to them that the kingdom of God had indeed come, but wasn't really what they expected. And so that's quite important that we see that. Now the other thing that we're going to observe before we do our reading, and hope I've got the right button for this. No, I don't. Oh, okay. No, is it frozen? Turned on at the side. Turned on at the side, oh yes. If in doubt, turn it on. Okay. Before we do our uh, reading for this morning, it's interesting to notice that this chapter is a literary masterpiece. The way that Matthew has arranged things he's done it in a sort of symmetrical way so the top half above the break reflects the bottom half so last week Andrew was speaking on the parable of the sower today we're going to look at a little bit of the interlude and then there are three other parables and then there's a break and it's interesting that it appears that those four parables were spoken in public They were spoken to people who had come and listened. Verse 2 says, Great crowds 
gathered around him. And Jesus speaks to the crowds. And he tells them the parable of the sword. Then there's an interlude. Then there's three other parables. Then there's a break in the middle. And he speaks to his followers, to the disciples. And he gives them three parables. The hidden treasure, the pearl of great value, the net of fish. Then there's a short interlude. The last one's disputed whether it's a parable. I take it as a parable. Parable 8, the trained scribe. So he's speaking to the crowd. And he's speaking to his disciples. And all of these have to be taken together as we seek to understand the kingdom of heaven. So our reading, we're reading a bit of the interlude uh, this morning. So we're reading from verse 10 down to verse 27. So follow it if you have a Bible. He's just finished the parable of the sower. Verse 10, then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. This is the word of God for us today. We're going to think about it for a few moments. A number of years ago we did the, the Gospel of Matthew at Fernie Lee, and I spoke on chapter 13, the whole chapter, and I've got to admit that I didn't say anything about verse 10 to 17. But we've got the opportunity today to think about it. It's perhaps the part of the chapter we would skip over very quickly and focus on the stories, the parables. And yet, here's an important part of this gospel. It's here because the Spirit of God, guiding Matthew, wrote down these words. Matthew wrote down these words for us to consider and understand. Now the first thing that we notice about this is this is very hard. This is a difficult part of the Bible to grasp and to take in. You know, some people think that the teaching of Jesus, it's simple, it's easy. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ taught things on many occasions that were hard to understand. I was talking to Peter a few minutes before the service about Professor F.F. Bruce, professor at Manchester University. He used to come to Aberdeen to speak at the New Year Conference. New Testament scholar. Never actually came and spoke in Fernie Lee because he always lived out with his relatives in a village. But Professor F.F. Bruce wrote a book called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And it's interesting that there are 70 different excerpts from the teaching of Jesus that he includes in the book. I think this was included. So this is hard. But we're going to read through the verses and try to learn from it. So, we're in the interlude and this is all based around a question that the disciples had. The disciples were listening to Jesus. They heard him using parables and they ask this question in verse 10. Why do you speak to them in parables? So, we're going to very simply just look at three things this morning and learn from it. First of all, the question. Why do you speak to them in parables? Let's just step back for a moment and think about what a parable is. Because there are Eight parables here in this chapter, but there are parables throughout the teaching of Jesus. And it's very informative for us to look at all of the parables of Jesus. But what is a parable? Well, it's a story. It's a narrative. But there are some errors that we can follow into, and after the time of the Apostles, what we call the church fathers, the early church fathers, there was a tendency to treat the parables as an allegory. Now, an allegory is a story where everything within the story has a particular meaning. Probably the most famous allegory is John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress. And John Bunyan wrote that book to describe the whole of the Christian life Pilgrim, the central character, wants to get out of the city of destruction and get to the celestial city. And the whole book is about his struggle to leave there and how he comes to the cross and he loses his burden. And then his Christian life and there are characters and situations in that book and every single one of them has got a meaning. That's an allegory. But... The stories that the Lord Jesus told were not meant to be treated like that. And on many occasions, when he told a parable, there was a single thing that he wanted to get over. Now, not all of them. The parable that Andrew explained to us last week has got more than one thing for us to take out of it. But a parable is not an allegory. I like Milton Terry's definition. He says a parable is a formal comparison. So you will notice that in this chapter, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he gives a little story, a little narrative 
to illustrate it. It's a formal comparison. And so that's what the Lord Jesus was doing. He was using parables so that he could teach the people. Now this text is shocking and surprising because frequently we hear people saying, and maybe we say this too, that Jesus used parables to make his teaching simple and understandable. While there's an element of truth in that, the idea of comparison is to make something more obvious to the person that's listening. This text is telling us something quite different. And we're thinking about the answer of Jesus now. Look at, look at verse 11. He answered them, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. We might say, well, what does that mean? Well, what's he saying here? Jesus is pointing the disciples to an important spiritual truth about the teaching of Jesus and indeed this extends to all of the word of God and it is this that men and women as they live in this world do not understand the truth of God and as they hear it they don't understand it either and it's not until God grants them spiritual sight to see the truth that they understand it that's a difficult thing for us to grasp understanding the truth of God is something that God enables individual persons to do and that's Jesus answer to them has been given the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to others it has not been given. And then he expands on this. He says, for to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But the one who is not, even what he has, will be taken away. This is why I speak in parables. And it's almost as if the Lord Jesus is saying it. Speaking in parables is a way of hiding the truth to those that are spiritually blind so he says seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand so back to the optical illusion everybody sees the sheet of paper but not everybody sees the face on it so it is with the word of God everybody hears the words being proclaimed but not everybody understands and believes And so Jesus says, indeed their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. Interesting here that the word for fulfilled is different from the usual one. We know that Matthew very often says so that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is a different word and perhaps it means... The prophecy of Isaiah applies here. Because actually, Paul uses the same text at the end of Acts. At the end of the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 28, Paul's speaking to the Jews in Rome, and he quotes this text to them. And they're not too happy, and they leave from listening to the Gospel. Isaiah 6, wonderful story, isn't it? Isaiah has that vision 
of the greatness and glory of God and the holiness of God. It grips him so much that he says, I'm finished, woe is me. And then the angel takes the coal from the altar of incense and touches his lips and says, see your guilt is taken away in your sin atoned for. And Isaiah's sin is dealt with. And then, after that, he hears the Lord speaking. So, in Isaiah 6, I'm just going to turn and read these verses for you just now. Isaiah 6. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And Isaiah says this, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. Often, you know, I've done this. If you're speaking on this text, you read verse 9, and he said, Go. And we just stop there. But here's the rest of the quotation. Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and be healed. That's a difficult thing to grasp. We're thinking about Isaiah. Here he is. He's experienced a vision of the holiness of God, and the salvation of God, and he's willing to go and serve God, And God says, go and tell the people that their hearts are going to be hardened. And their ears are going to be stopped up with your message. You know, there's a lesson in that for any Christian sitting here who's engaged in activity in sharing the word of God and bringing the gospel to others. We're going to encounter spiritual deafness and spiritual blindness in those that we speak to. That's the reality of it. Men and women are spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. And more than that, when the gospel comes to people, if they don't respond and believe, it hardens them. That's a very solemn thing to think about this morning. My father came up with a brilliant illustration of this when he was at camp. I think it was at Huntley. We were at camp days before Foscali. Gordon School's Huntley. Weren't even in the primary school. It was the old Gordon School's building. I think I was about six years old. and There was a real shortage of leaders that year. My dad was the padre. He did the talks. But he also did everything else just about, I think, at camp. And he observed something that he used when he was speaking at night at the meeting at camp. In the dining room, in the morning, they had cleared the table. So they got all the dirty dishes, got them washed, and the plates with the marmalade and jam were put onto a trolley along with the little trays of butter and they put it over into the corner of the room. It was a summer day and the sun was shining through and it melted the butter in all the dishes. So they had to go and quickly replace that.
But then during the day there was a camp activity down beside the river, beside Huntley Castle. Peter will have lots of stories about that if you want to ask him. Not from this particular year though. They went down to the river. And when they got to the river, because of the warm weather, the sun had dried up most of the river. And the mud that was at the side of the river was rock hard. People were tripping because there were ruts and holes. It was absolutely rock solid. My father, in the meeting at night at camp, said, The word of God is like that. Like the sun that melted the butter. Sometimes the word of God melts our heart and has an effect because the Spirit of God works in us and causes us to respond. At other times, it hardens like the mud at the riverside. Now, for the sake of not being technical, I just want to mention in passing that uh, actually there is a second literary masterpiece in this chapter, and it runs from verse 13 to verse 17. Because what Matthew's done is he has arranged the words of Jesus and this Old Testament quotation in a symmetrical way. So in verse 13, 13 he says, Hearing they do not hear, seeing they do not see, nor do they understand. And in verse 17, it's different for the followers. He says, um, These prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and hear what you hear. So the contrast there in verse 13 is between people listening to the truth of God and not seeing and not hearing and the disciples here who did see it and did hear it. Now, we mustn't press that too far. The disciples clearly did not understand everything. That's why they came and they asked Jesus for further explanation. But there is a strict difference here. The people being talked about in the prophecy of Isaiah were unresponsive. But the disciples were responsive. And then in verse 14, he talks about the prophecy of Isaiah being fulfilled. Again, he mentions in verse 17, prophets and righteous men. And then he says in verse 14, you will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive. That contrasts with the disciples in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. So there's the contrast between the people that prophet Isaiah is talking about and the followers of Jesus who did see and who did hear. Now this isn't just something that Jesus talks about here in this chapter and that's all we read about it. These truths about spiritual deadness are brought to us in many texts. One of the most uh, remarkable is in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul's talking about his service for God 
as a preacher of the gospel, as a teacher. And he says this, our gospel is veiled from those who are perishing. Paul recognises that there's a problem. As he is bringing the gospel to people, the problem is it's veiled. And he goes on to say, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. Spiritual blindness. So did Paul give up and say it's too hard? No, he didn't. He had this confidence. In 2 Corinthians 4 he says, God, who said, let there be light, has shone his light into our hearts to give us the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul pointed to the fact that there was an occasion when literally he saw the light, but he's thinking about the experience of every person that becomes a Christian. There is a time when God, by his Spirit, opens our eyes, opens our ears to hear and believe the truth of God. Now even the prophecy of Isaiah brings that to us. Although chapter 6 is very stark and depressing, people who do not hear, people who do not understand, later on in the book, God says through the prophet Isaiah, Hear ye deaf, and see ye blind. Do you know that's what happens when a person becomes a Christian? It's when the Spirit of God opens our eyes to see the truth of the gospel and we believe. And so there's Jesus' response. I thought Andrew was absolutely right last week when he said we mustn't see parables just as something that we study, but we need to see ourselves in it. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. Warren Wearsby had a book that he released many years ago called Meet Yourself in the Parables. We're going to try and do that just to finish off today. Our response to this parable. What's, what's our response? If you're here as a Christian today, so we look at this, we think of the words of Jesus in verse 16. He says to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. We ought to be filled with gratitude to God that he opened our eyes and that he brought to us salvation through his spirit. It's a very difficult thing to think about this but you really can't read the scriptures without coming to that conclusion and I was struck by this comment in John Broadus's commentary on Matthew. He says, if we shrink from the idea that the Lord of heaven and earth reveals to some and hides from others, we are strangely out of sympathy with the feelings of Jesus and of Paul, who found in this not only occasion of resignation but of adoration and joy. Matthew 11 verse 25 the Lord Jesus prays and he says, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent 
for you've revealed them to babes. See, that's the way that God works. He reveals things to people, not on the basis of your status in society or your intelligence or your understanding. It's nothing to do with that, but it's everything to do with God's grace. Paul in Romans 9 and Romans 11, he speaks in similar terms, so I'm going to go into that this morning. But those of us who are Christians today, we ought to be filled with gratitude because God opened our eyes. There was a time when he caused us to see and he opened our ears and we believed in our hearts. But maybe there's some somebody today and that's not been your experience. You, you're not filled with that assurance that God's opened your eyes to see the truth. Well this text comes as a challenge. Maybe this morning you will hear and you will see. The picture I showed you at the beginning, we're just going to finish with this. Many years ago, I was in Edinburgh for a weekend and uh, I decided I would travel back on the Sunday. And on Sunday morning, I went to Charlotte Chapel, just back up from Princess Street. Because I'd never seen it and I'd heard about it and I thought, I'll go and see. And they had a visiting preacher. I think he was from Bournemouth. And he did a children's talk. And his children's talk is where I got this from. He stood up, actually to be honest, it was more of an adult's talk, because the adults were all fully engaged in this. And he held up this picture, and he said, what do you see? And people said, I can't see anything, what's there? And they were all arguing. And he said, can you see it? Can you see it? Then he put it down. He lifted his Bible. He said, do you see it? Do you see it? As sinners, we are helpless before God, but God sends his Son into the world to die so that we might be forgiven. Have you had faith in Christ? Have you seen it? Have you believed it? And that was enormously challenging, and it is enormously challenging to us this morning. Do you see it? Have you heard it? Have you believed in your heart? May God bless his word. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus took time to explain truths that we find difficult to understand. But Father, we thank you that these words are there for us to take into our hearts and our minds today. And Father, we pray that all of us may be in that blessed position of having our eyes and our ears opened to see the truth of the gospel and to believe it in our hearts. So, Father, we pray for your blessing on everyone here. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.